0: Welcome, everyone. You're listening to another episode of Coffee Talks with Mike. Hope you enjoy the book this week and we're going to get into it. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Coffee Talks with Mike. Um, Man, it's been a weird two weeks for me for a number of reasons. One, uh, you guys can all appreciate that last week I recorded an episode for you uh, Monday night, and I was really stoked about it. And then uh, as I went to upload it, I realized my microphone wasn't plugged in for the entire thing. So that episode was lost into the ether. So maybe it just wasn't meant to be. Maybe we'll come back to that book. And then on Friday, I thought I was going to begin a big series for you all. I recorded a long episode um, to start a series on the Chronicles of Narnia. And then I just, you know, I usually, I, up to this point, I've yet to like type up notes or plan something in advance. I'm really just kind of reading through the chapter. And my hope is to do a series on Narnia where I'm breaking down each book with like really big moments, but I was trying to just go chapter by chapter. And I realized I just enjoyed these stories too much that I just couldn't do it. So Um, I'm actually going to have to plan what I want to share and how I want to share it, which might be a bigger endeavor than I can do at the moment, but we'll see what happens. So all that to say, I had one episode that was recorded with no audio and another episode that was recorded, but not something I think is worth putting out there. So there is more in the works, but for today, I want to get this out, um, which is a chapter from a book called prayer, um, Which is pretty, uh, pretty simple in one sense, um, but really complicated in another. So if you don't know who Richard Foster is, Richard Foster is like one of the big names in like spiritual discipline in the modern era, particularly in Protestant circles. Um, So this book is called Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home. And so Foster's written a book on the celebration of discipline where, and that's something I'll probably do a few episodes on here and there. Um, But that book is about us stepping into historical spiritual practices and disciplines that the church has been doing for thousands of years um, and reclaiming them for our own faith today. Prayer is one of those disciplines, but this book is an entire book on prayer. And um, it's a little formulaic in one sense, but I think it's to give us a, a really large scope of what prayer is. So, what I mean is there are three parts to the, to the book. Each part is a different kind of prayer, a different style of prayer, and there's seven chapters um, of different kinds of prayer. So, for example, the part one is moving inward, part two is moving upward, part three is moving outward. So it's a little formulaic in that sense, but I do think he's trying to get us to reimagine what our entire perspective of prayer is. So. I'm honestly just going to start with chapter one. Um, so that's in the moving inward, seeking the transformation we need section. And chapter one is on simple prayer. Um, and I think that's what we're all probably most um, familiar with. But I just want to give you a quick little reading from this to maybe stimulate some thought for you today. I will preface this whole thing, book, topic, etc., with An important mantra I need to remind myself of constantly. Mantra is probably not the word for it. An important realization. Reading about prayer and listening to podcasts about prayer and studying the history of prayer is not the same as praying. Uh, I think I've probably said that before here. I know I've said it elsewhere, but that's just an important um, footnote at the outset of this that I want to remind you all of. So hopefully you hear something worth um, remembering as I read some of what Foster's written. Um, But don't let this be your prayer for the day. Let this be something that helps shape your prayer today. So in in the intro to this whole section of um, looking inward, uh, I'll just read this first part. First, he starts with a quote from Augustine. True whole prayer is nothing but love. So this is Foster now. He says, God has graciously allowed me to catch a glimpse into his heart, and I want to share with you what I've seen. Today, the heart of God is an open wound of love. He aches over our our distance and preoccupation. He mourns that we do not draw near to him. He grieves that we have forgotten him. He weeps over our obsession with muchness and manyness. He longs for our presence. And he's inviting you and me to come home to where we belong, to that for which we were created. And so he's just talking about prayer, how little time we spend in prayer, because ultimately prayer is about being in the presence of God. And we complicate that. We complicate it because we think too critically, we think too... technically about all of these things, which again is a little ironic because we're about to get 21 chapters of different kinds of prayer, but it's because with those 21 different approaches, they're actually enabling us to open up our perspective of prayer rather than narrow it down. I think sometimes we create such a, uh, such a bigness to the idea of prayer in our minds um, that it stresses us out and then we don't do anything at all. Uh, so he says, in, in this book, it's written to explore the many-splendored heart of God. Um, it's not about definitions of prayer or terminology for prayer or arguments about prayer, though all of these things have their place. This book is about a love relationship, an enduring, continuing, growing love relationship with the great God of the universe. An overwhelming love invites a response. Love is the syntax of prayer to be effective prayers, we need to be effective lovers. Um, Samuel Coleridge declares that he that prayeth well, loveth well, must be old if we're using if verbs. Um, And so this is how he wants to frame the entire book, Um, but particularly this section, um, that we need to understand that love and prayer are deeply connected, and that for us to step into relationship with God well, we need to pray. And it can't just be before meals and it just can't be to start our day. Our lives should be prayer. So um, in the beginning of each of these chapters, he's got these, um, well, some of them, he's got small little, uh, I don't know what to call them, like beginning paragraphs or kind of with the chapter, kind of not. So here are a few words from him. He says, to pray is to change. This is great grace. How good of God to provide a path whereby our lives can be taken over by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The movement inward comes first in our prayer because without interior transformation, the movement up into God's glory would overwhelm us and the movement out into ministry would destroy us. And so this is kind of him setting up this whole section of kinds of prayer we can approach God with. We need to begin to pursue transformation so that we can truly be in the presence of God and also go do the work of God. So pray as you can, not as you can't. That's what Dom John Chapman said. He says, uh, you know, we all believe prayer is something we should do, even something we want to do, but it seems like a chasm stands between us and actually praying. We're often not really sure what's holding us back. um, But often it turns out it's busyness, whether it's real busyness or it's just perceived busyness in our minds, like it feels like we don't have the time. But Foster notes here, you know, our busyness seldom keeps us from eating or sleeping or making love. No, there's something deeper and more profound keeping us in check. Um, In reality, there are any number of somethings preventing us, all of which we'll explore in due time. Um, But for now, there's one something that needs immediate attention and the, the something that's keeping us from prayer. And it's the notion that we have to have everything just right in order to pray that is before we can really pray our lives need some fine-tuning or we need to know more about how to pray or we need to study the philosophical questions surrounding prayer or we need to have a better grasp on the great traditions of prayer and so on and so forth our lists go on and on and so we use this as a crutch for why we don't pray and yet prayer requires something simpler Um, Emil Griffin or Emily, sorry, Emily Griffin, he quotes says to pray means to be willing to be naive. Foster writes, I used to think that I needed to get all my motives straightened out before I could pray before I could really pray. I'd be in some prayer group, for example, and I would examine what I just prayed and think to myself, how utterly foolish and self-centered I can't pray like this. I totally know what he's talking about. Like we want to sound the best Maybe not the best in our group. Maybe we're not that self centered, but we want to sound like our best selves when we talk to God. We want to have like clear sentences and clear ideas put out there. And yet we know that sometimes the most intimate and vulnerable that we can be with other people in our lives is to just vent and just to say what we're feeling and to get words out to articulate what is inside. And if we believe that about relationships, interpersonally, why would we not believe that about a relationship with God? We, we've got this mindset where we need to come up with all the right things to say when in reality, God wants to be with us and know our hearts where we are. So Foster says, what I've come to see is that God is big enough to see us and receive us with all our mixtures. We don't have to be bright or pure or filled with faith or anything like that. That's what grace means. We're not only saved by grace, but we live by it as well, and we pray by it too. Jesus reminds us that prayer is like little children coming to their parents. Our children come, with a, come to us with the craziest requests. Often we're grieved by the meanness and selfishness in their requests, but we would all be more grieved if they never came to us, even with their meanness and selfishness. We're simply glad that they do come mixed motives and all that's precisely how it is with prayer. We will never have pure enough motives or be good enough or know enough in order to pray rightly. We simply must set all these things aside and begin praying. This is something that um, I I was fortunate enough to have a conversation with the author, Justin McRoberts uh, a few weeks ago. And when we were talking, I asked him about being like a Christian Christian, speaker, essentially author speaker who has a social media presence and how he balances that tension of how, how much does he share online so that he can influence others without feeling like he's being fraudulent or feel like he's seeking out approval or any of those ill motivations essentially. And he said, well, I just really try not to focus on the motivations anymore He's, he said, I've gotten to a place where I've recognized I will never have completely pure motivations, but I have to trust that some of the motivations I have are good. And yes, there's an important part of questioning our motives, but the idea that we'll ever get to perfectly pure motives is just false. We need to begin to, to trust that the spirit is leading us in the midst of our problematic notions so that we can be transformed there. I think that's similar to what Foster is saying here. He says, in simple prayer, we bring ourselves before God just as we are. Simple prayer is called the prayer of beginning again. It's the most common form of prayer in the Bible. There's little that is lofty or magnanimous uh, about the faith heroes whose journey across the pages of scripture. Think of Moses complaining to God about his stiff-necked followers, or consider Elisha retaliating against the children who jeered at him, calling him a bald head. I get it, Elisha. And then there's the psalmist delighting in the violent death of his enemies and his enemies' children in the Psalms. I mean, these are all part of our scripture, yet, right in the midst of all this self serving prayer are some of the most noble and sublime utterances of the human spirit. Think of Moses interceding before God on behalf of. The disobedient stubborn Israelites think of Elisha who had cursed those children and on another day shown mercy, mercy to another woman uh, of a foreign country and prophesied over her or the psalmist crying out oh how I love your law it's my meditation all day long in simple prayer the good the bad and the ugly are all mixed together and that's what we find throughout scripture the only way we can find ourselves in a place that moves beyond self-centered prayer is by going through it, not by making a detour around it. And I think that's an important way for us to reorient ourselves to this conversation about prayers and even just our broader spiritual lives. Like we know we're not where we want to be in some sense, right? We know that we're not perfect and that, you know, we can aim towards perfection, but I know, at least for myself, I imagine, oh, well, if I come up with a list and I just say all the right things and, you know, write down all the places I want to end up and then tomorrow I just decide to do those things and I'm good, as if it doesn't take time to stumble through all the mistakes on my way there. Like we want to believe we can plan and then just do something. And yet it just takes time. And we have to go through all those difficulties to get to the other side. I think all the sports I've played, you watch someone that's amazing at basketball, shoot a ball and you go, that's not that hard. If I just keep my elbow tucked in and I just keep my left hand off the ball. And if I follow through and if I leave my hand and, you know, jump properly and all the things, then it's good. So now that I've studied all the right ways to do it, I'm just going to go do it. But really what it takes is you doing it thousands and thousands of times before you get consistent at doing it well. And even then you're not perfect. You still have to work at it. We're never going to get to a place where we are perfect, but we have to continue to work through it. It's hard when you see what someone that is good at these things looks like, because now you imagine if you can't be that, right? If I can't be perfect at this sport, then I don't want to do it at all. And yet. When it comes to our spiritual lives and it comes to prayer, which is like the most important piece of us communing with God, we can't just aim at perfection and wait until we wake up one day and do it. We, we just need to start doing it. We need to start with self-centered prayer and keep doing that until we find our way through it. Because if we just wait around to the day that we are virtuous enough to not be self-centered, we will never begin praying. So he says up to this point we've been describing simple prayer that's a theory but we have to move beyond theory to ask the question for which all that's gone before is prelude how do we practice simple prayer what do we do where do we begin and he says it's very simple we start right where we are in our families in our jobs with our neighbors and our friends don't believe that this is trivial To believe that God can reach us and bless us in the ordinary junctures of daily life, that's what prayer is all about. But we don't want to throw this away, so it's hard for us to believe that God would enter our space. Sometimes we think things like, God don't bless me, or God can't bless me here. So when I graduate, or when I'm the chairman of the board, or when I'm the president of the company, or when I'm the senior pastor, then God can bless me. When I'm perfect, When I pray every day, when I'm finally able to kick that one persistent sin out, then God will bless me. But no, God is willing to bless you right where you are because that's the only place you are. You have to admit where you are so that you can actually commune with God. He goes on a little bit further, talking about Moses at the burning bush. He said, God had to tell Moses to take off his shoes. Moses didn't know he was on holy ground. And if we can just come to see that right where we are is holy ground in our jobs and our homes with our coworkers and friends and families, once we learn that those places are holy ground too, that's where we learn to pray. That's one of my favorite stories of scripture um, because first of all, it does imply that there are places that are holy. But I think that we kind of lose sight of the fact that what's actually occurring there is God saying, no, like I am present with you here. But what would happen if we viewed every space as a potential meeting place for God, right? We throw around terms like omnipresence, right? The idea that God is everywhere. And it's not just physiologically everywhere, but God is all throughout time, in all times, in all places and spaces. If we believe that God is in all spaces, then we should believe that All places have the capacity to be holy ground. So, uh, you know I'm happy that Foster quotes C.S. Lewis. And he goes here um, to, again, talk about us needing to be honest about where we are. He says, God is perfectly capable of handling our anger and frustration and disappointment. So tell him about it. C.S. Lewis counsels, counsels us to lay before God what is in us, not what ought to be in us. Again, he's hammering home that simple prayer, that honest prayer, is not about talking to God and pretending to be something we're not. Like, you ever think about that, how bizarre it is that we try to dress up our language when we talk to God, or we try to pretend like things are better than they are as if God doesn't already know? We don't need to talk to God as if we're something we're not, because God won't be able to honestly commune with us until we're honest with ourselves. No, we need to lay before God what is already in us, what's happening in us, around us, not what we think we should be. That's the only way we can actually become those things. We pray and we learn to pray by continuing to pray. Think about that. Like the only way you can really be good at praying and learn how to be good at praying. And then praying honestly, praying holistically, praying with the right mindset is just by praying. It's one of the things you have to do by experience. Foster goes on and says, listen, prayer is nothing more than an ongoing and growing love relationship with God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is especially true with simple prayer. No one has any advantage in simple prayer. The bruised and broken people in the world enter simple prayer as freely as the healthy and wealthy. We can't be discouraged by our lack of prayer. Even in our prayerlessness, we can hunger for God. So in that case, the hunger is itself a prayer. Uh, he quotes uh, Mary Claire Vincent. He says that de- she says the desire for prayer is prayer, the prayer of desire. Like sometimes we don't have it in us to pray, but we wish that we did. Sometimes our prayer is as simple as God give us the words to speak. God be present with us where we are here and now. Um, often we think that we need to have our prayers be a certain length or it has to, to have a certain amount of, of um, I, I don't know, certain level of language. But again, think about the prayers that we see in the Gospels. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Think about the tax collector next to the Pharisee. Lord, I'm a wretched man. Simple confessions about where people are, and yet things that Jesus himself affirms as deeply important. Foster says here at the end of the chapter that we have to remember that there is a principle of progression in the spiritual life. We do not take occasional joggers and put them in a marathon race, and we must not do that with prayer either. The desert fathers and mothers spoke of the the sin of spiritual greed, that is, wanting more of God than can properly be digested. If prayer is not a fixed habit with you, instead of starting with 12 hours of prayer-filled dialogue... Single out a few moments and put all of your energy into them. When you've had enough, tell God simply, I must have a rest. I don't have the strength to be with you all the time yet. This is perfectly true, and God knows that you're still not capable of bearing his company continuously. Besides, even the most spiritually advanced, perhaps especially them, need frequent times of laughter and play and good fun. It's important for us to remember that we can't just be perfect at the outset of our spiritual lives and our journeys. And sometimes we can get frustrated with ourselves for feeling like we haven't progressed fast enough or efficiently enough. And yet the important thing is to just recognize where we are. Like I think about my own physical health and it's like you just wake up one day and you go, how did I get to the place where I eat more than I want to or I don't get enough sleep or I don't look the way I want to look? it does, you no good to ask yourself or to try and pinpoint the place. Oh, when did I start getting into these bad habits? When did I start, you know, stopping all of the things that I was supposed to be doing? When, When this, when that, it's like, no, like just own where you are today and start there. You can't start running a marathon by going out and running 10 miles at a time. If you haven't run in six months, you need to just go put your running shoes on and see how far you can go. In the same way, when it comes to our spiritual lives, we can't just be spiritual leaders without actually contributing to that process ourselves. We can't be really skilled in the life of prayer if we don't set out time to pray. And it's not going to start with an hour-long vigil. It's going to start with a two-minute prayer where you just say what is on your heart. One of my classes, we always start with a time to just sit in silence and to get comfortable and to breathe and focus on our breath for about 60 seconds. And uh, my professor always says, All right, let's take a minute long Sabbath together before we um, pray. He says, Just listen for where God is speaking to you in this next 60 seconds. Maybe that is the kind of prayer you need to start today so that you can begin to have another kind of prayer after that. Again, I think that the first goal for us is to recognize where we find ourselves so that we can be as honest with ourselves and in turn as honest with God as physically possible because it's then that we're able to actually move forward and make progress. So today, don't let this podcast be prayer, but maybe spend the next 60 seconds and just... Have Sabbath with God. Ask where you hear God in your life and where you feel God calling you to. Be honest about what you're going through, what you're feeling about your life, about God, about church, about any of the things going on. Simple prayer is about just owning where you are. So that's foster for this week. I'm, uh, encourage you to check out Foster's other work before I get to it. Cause who knows when that'll happen. And, uh, yeah, this book on prayer is pretty good. Uh, it gets to some really good stuff later too. So check it out and I'll see you next week.